Okay. Uh, so again, I guess I'll start this off by saying I screwed up uh, our time <laughs> zones. This has been a problem with me before. Time zones are a weird thing to wrap my head around sometimes, and I don't really know why, because I've been using them... Uh, like, I used to do stuff for airlines, so I'm very used to, like, thinking in different time zones. But ever since uh, this whole, like, layoffs and um, stuff going on with uh, the worldwide condition in 2020 and whatnot, like, everything has just stopped. I, my sense of time is gone completely, <laughs> and I don't know where anything is anymore. But um, I'm glad that we were able to talk, uh, Chris, from... Uh, the one of the creators of Carrying Games from Phobia Game Studio. Thank you for uh, chatting with me. Yeah, no problem. And uh, yeah, I just say that we're pretty much you know nocturnal kind of uh, of developers, so so we're pretty yeah. much going by your time zone anyway. So so uh, all us the time people, is fine. I think yeah. are kind of used to it. Yeah, time no longer means anything either <laughs> in a post-COVID world. Um, so. I mean, just on that, I'm just kind of curious how other places have been talking about this, because, like, I have a friend that lives in Russia, and, of course, like, different states and stuff here. How have you guys been dealing with this whole mess of COVID stuff? I guess as a game developer, it probably doesn't really hinder you too much. Maybe, like, little less being able to actually go to expos and show your stuff off, but for the most part. Yeah, like, other than the expos, uh, yeah. it's, like... It's pretty much the same. I mean, we, especially in our case, we're, we're all working remotely anyway. Like we don't have uh, a physical, right. you know, studio anywhere. We're all over Poland. Like I'm, I'm based in Krakow, Sebastian. So like the brains behind the whole project uh, is, is in Warsaw and Maciej, our sound designer is in Zielonagura, uh, which is next to the German border pretty much. Yeah. And right. also the fourth member of the Carion team. Uh, Chris Velasco is actually from from the states. He's from LA. So, so uh, in that matter, it it hasn't really changed a lot. In a way, I'd say it has even given us some more time to to polish the game before the release because you know there's less stuff going on, more time to to just sit on your ass and and work. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure, I, for sure. I, I think like the only major major difference and something that I'm uh, still somewhat, uh, yeah, sad about is we were meant to record a whole orchestra for the soundtrack, or at least the whole, uh, strings and, and uh, brass, uh, sections. Uh, so around, oh. I don't know, 40 people or so. And yeah, in the end, we had to cancel that and we only got like two soloists, like a cellist and a violinist to, to record. Uh, some of the string parts, but yeah, it could have been much more epic in that way. Oh man, yeah, that's too bad. Uh, that yeah, that sounds like that would have been kind of a neat experience, if nothing else, right? Yeah, but, we were really I, looking forward to it. For sure, yeah. Um, and then of course, like it's just always fun. Well, I've been told I'm not a game developer, but I've been told from people, friends that are and stuff, it's always fun too do like the pack circuit or e3 or any of that stuff where you get to see people play your game for the first time in person and shake your hand and stuff like that so that's kind of too bad that that's going to be maybe a thing of the past yeah yeah true although to be honest i mean it obviously has has its merits those physical 
uh, events and, you know, yeah. you just, those are basically like additional playtests of completely, you know, done by completely random people, which is always great. It has always given yeah. us lots of, of feedback. Plus, you get to meet all the other developers and so on. Those are cool events. But I think when it comes to actual, you know, uh, like marketing and 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 stuff like that, I think those uh, kind of virtual uh, events with you know developers releasing time uh, limited uh, demos and so on. I think this it actually has a much bigger impact than than your regular e- uh, events. So it's sure. it's not all that bad. Sure. Um, and I mean, to that end, being involved with Devolver Digital in general, a company that has a big name in kind of these weird niche markets in gaming, like, and they're very, very good at their PR stuff, uh, both online and especially their E3 stuff. Like, I really love watching their uh, conferences. They're like weird little movies that they make, basically, to do their game stuff. Like, I think they're just so unique, and it seems like it'd be kind of like, especially for Carrion or anything that's kind of like a weird video game or like a weird take on something, they seem to be like the perfect partner for you guys, <laughs> honestly, to yeah. do something like this. Yeah, like, you know, back when we didn't have a, a publisher yet and we were just approached by by Sam and, and there were some, some offers going on and so on, everyone told us, you know, this is such a Devolver game. Just go contact yeah. Devolver. <laughs> yeah, that's what we eventually did. Uh, and, and yeah, ourselves, we were also thinking like, yeah, these guys are cool. These guys are cool. But just, uh, you know, having Devolver and their weird sense of, of humor and someone always dying yeah. on their uh, events and so on. And, and also their portfolio, like they're fans of, of just the publisher. There are people who just follow Devolver and anything they publish, they pretty much like. So so this was also an yeah. added bonus for us. Yeah, for sure. Because, um, like, I'm trying to remember who published uh, Butcher, the other game. Yes. That, um, you guys have done. And, like, I think Butcher, like, not to... I, I don't want it to sound really bad, but it, I think Butcher would have been also a good Devolver game. <laughs> frankly like i think that would have been a good fit yeah Not yeah i mean i i was thinking that myself not once even. Uh, yeah, yeah, Butcher was originally self-published, kind of. I mean, it was produced okay. and published by Transhuman Design, uh, a very small, or nowadays almost yes. a, a single-man uh, company. You may know them from, from Soldat, Transhuman, uh, and uh, King Arthur's Gold, things like that. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, so... Basically, a company set up by Michał Marcinkowski, who's like a, an indie uh, game dev legend in Poland. He's known as uh, the first Polish indie developer, in a way. I mean, he was doing indie things be- before the the term even existed in, in game dev, basically. Uh, yeah, so, so he set up this company and uh, he hired Sebastian. Uh, for for some other project, in fact, but uh, Sebastian was working on on his own pet project, which was Butcher, and and Michal liked it uh, enough that he decided to to take it and produce it, 
and sure. and uh, publish it eventually. And yeah, that, that's also how we met because I was hired as uh, as a level designer for Butcher, and later mm-hmm. on we found Maciej uh, who did the the sounds for for Carrion. Uh, we hired him to do the uh, soundtrack for for Butcher. So basically, that's how the core team okay. has met. Uh, and yeah. yeah, the game was self published. It was uh, a decent success, like given you know the yeah. the industry, the the so called indie apocalypse that was going on back then already. Uh, yeah, we did pretty well given the 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 market. It it wasn't a huge success, but. Yeah, it it wasn't a flop, let's say it. Uh, sure. Yeah, eventually the the game was uh, handed over to Crunching Koalas, who ported the game to consoles, and okay. uh, also took over the publishing duties also on PC. So uh, it's kind of it might be kind of confusing as to who the publisher is and and was. So originally Transform Design, nowadays Crunching Koalas. <laughs> I see. Okay. Yeah, I was a little confused um, as well on that. But either way, I played Butcher. I like Butcher quite a bit. Uh, I think it's one of those, like, I'm a Doom fan. Oh, and this is side, it's side-scrolling Doom. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. Yeah, so it, that, I was, that's like, really that's, into it. That's what our pitch basically was. As if you took Doom or Quake and turned it into a, a 2D platformer, pretty much. Totally. Yeah, these are Quake Doom. These are games I grew up on, so I like I really like it as well. Um I think it's one of those types of games that like maybe didn't get enough exposure for my liking. Like I it would have been nice to see that bigger, but I it's one of those things where everybody starts somewhere, right? <laughs> like you can't yeah. just go up to a company usually and say, "Hey, publish our game. Uh what else have you done?" Oh, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like, I, I, it's a little hard. Actually, I wonder what would uh, be Devolver's uh, response if if we approached them with with Butcher, because well, we didn't. We, yeah, we are only with talks with some with some Polish publishers, and uh, it didn't really click. And eventually, it was decided to to self-publish because like the previous games were self-published and it worked out pretty well. So the assumption was, oh yeah, we're still good. And yeah, it, it wasn't a flop, but I think with with a good publisher, yeah, with with the it it, better. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Uh, that being said, if anybody's listening to this and you haven't checked it out, you should. It's very, very good. Uh, maybe a little shorter than I would have liked, but I like really long stuff. So <laughs> that's that's a thing for me personally. Uh, I really enjoyed it though. Um, op- so obviously, like. You guys are fans of horror stuff, just in general. Yeah. Uh, I think it might yeah. be safe to say, right? <laughs> like, yeah. The two good. games that have uh, Phobia Game Studios logo on it um, are not exactly, like, family-friendly, <laughs> I'll say, maybe. Um, yeah, in theory, at least, at least according theory. to, you know, ESRB or... or... Peggy or, right, or whoever, yeah. but uh, in fact, uh, kids love it. Like whenever there's some oh, event, sure. uh, or when there were events back in the day, <laughs> and <laughs> we had some some kids approaching our booths, they were hooked. Especially, yeah. I mean, some liked Butcher as well, but especially Carrion, Jesus, they some were just coming back. You know, every couple of hours to just beat the demo again and and again. 
and yeah. their parents were like, okay, at least here they they they're finally uh, hooked on something, and and they have like 15 minutes of, of you know of re- relaxation. <laughs> You know what's weird to think about is that these kids that we're talking about right now, I wonder how much any of them know about things like The Thing or The Blob or any of these games that obviously like had some sort of um, effect or into you guys making Carrion to begin with. Because there's a lot of like weird little subtle hints and nods to some really classic old body horror movies and just like weird thing from outer space movie things going on in there that... I thought were kind of interesting. I wonder how many kids these days would even know some of that stuff, you know? Yeah, that's that's a good question, and and I I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, and we've yeah. never really asked them. I mean, those those kids they just sit down, put on the headphones, and and start playing. You know, they don't even know require any tutorials or or whatever. No questions asked. They just sit down and and beat the whole demo in a single sitting, and and then they just leave or play again. Yeah. They are never really yeah. interested in, in talking with the developers. So yeah, uh, yeah no no idea. Maybe one day I, I should actually ask one what, what he knows that, about life. That'd be life. interesting for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that leads me into kind of the first thing I want to talk about. One of the things I love talking to indie developers about is where they got the idea for their games. Because for some of them, it's obvious where it's just like, well, I thought this, like, I'm trying to think, I think Lucas Pope was saying he got the idea for papers, please, just from like being waiting for a plane, basically. And like what the TSA agents and stuff have to go through, just like something simple. But then like, so the reason this is coming up is when we were playing when I was playing Carrion a friend of mine was saying I wonder if these guys like started off making this and thinking what if we made a metroid game where you play as the metroid or you play as a monster or whatever so like did that kind of where is the origins of Carrion is it one of those things where you were playing a game and you're like this would be kind of neat if we saw from the other side or was it more like uh something like Another thing that sometimes happens is indie devs put together something and then something breaks in a really cool way and then they try to think of a reason how to use that mechanic. So, like a little backwards development of some sort. Like, is it one of those things where Carrion was built from the idea or was it built from, like, the mechanic working out and then you guys finding a reason to kind of, like, like an excuse to use it? Uh, yeah, so no, it, it was generally built from an idea, but a very vague one. It was mostly uh-huh. inspired by, uh, you know, the idea of what is it like to be the thing from the thing, basically. Sure. Like, what does it look like from from its perspective, and uh, you know, just does the general idea of, of flipping tables and and you <laughs> uh also literally right <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you're playing as this amorphous meat blob creature yeah yeah but it, it wasn't like oh let's make a metroidvania where you're the monster or where whatever it uh-huh. was just it started purely with with you controlling the monster in, in some way and eating people to grow larger. That was basically the, the core principle, pretty much. Uh, 
uh, and it evolved from from there, like kind of organically. But we also uh, like originally we weren't sure what kind of like say genre would it be. Uh, so there were even some ideas to make it a sort of a strategy game, an RTS of sorts, where you'd have more of those monsters walking sure. around and doing I don't know what something. Uh, <laughs> they're grashing basically everything I guess Uh, what I found kind of interesting is people always say myself included just now is that it's very Metroidvania-y it's more of a puzzle game in how it plays though which is I found kind of interesting kind of like this weird murder puzzle because there is the like evolutionary states of you eating people to get bigger but it's not like you. the whole goal of is you go into a level to get as big as you can and then kill everything and then start over. It's kind of like you have to use your different abilities in certain ways to get through the level at different stages. I thought that was really interesting that nobody seems to talk about really as much as they should. Yeah, so, so the thing about that... I, except for it being a pretty cool idea, I think, <laughs> is is yeah. that uh, like obviously once we just had the general concept of of the monster evolving new skills over time, like unlocking them somehow, it was kind of a natural fit to to go into those Metroidvania-ish uh, directions, but uh, mm-hmm. it wasn't like. Yeah, we, we didn't want to make it an ordinary uh, Metroidvania for, for several reasons. One being that, you know, more, more often than not in Metroidvanias, you respawn pretty much everything. Like the enemies, very often even the puzzles when, you know, the puzzle is just use your new weapon against this type of block and it's a basically one second puzzle. It's hardly a puzzle. It's just a, a new kind of, 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 key and door combination pretty much so yeah in those games you can easily respond to the puzzles and and it's not really a problem uh but in case of carrion we wanted to maintain this this uh, feeling of, of you know of horror like this reverse horror so uh, we didn't want uh, everyone just popping back alive all fine and dandy you know n- n- right. no havoc a- anywhere everything still uh, as it used to be so we needed to save that and that meant that we needed to kind of come up with with some more creative uh, like challenges for for the monster like not rely purely on uh, backtracking back and forth uh, through the map 20 times and and just looking for this single new door that you can now open uh, yeah yeah so so that's one of the reasons why we came up with the, uh, as we call it, mass-based class system. Although it's also served some additional reasons. I think like the, the original reason why we came up with it in, in general, like how the idea was born, uh, is uh, we didn't want to make the control scheme overly complex. And we had uh, ideas for quite a lot of, of uh, different skills. So tying, sure. uh, like, you know, s- uh, dividing all those skills between, or most of them between uh, offensive and defensive skills, and then dividing that between the, the three 
uh, sizes of the monster, it, it made it, you know, much easier to comprehend. Plus it gave us additional depth when it comes to, uh, to not only puzzle solving, as, as you mentioned, but also combat, because there's like no, uh, single winning strategy for, for every scenario. Like sometimes you're forced to, to get smaller or if you get damaged, you're just naturally smaller and you have to utilize more or less all your skills or at least it's, it's, it's easier for you to, to utilize all your skills than just rely on a single thing. And once you lose it, you're like, Oh crap, now I'm, I'm gone. So, so yes. This is one of the thing I wish more people would talk about when they talk about this game. I've heard a bunch of people talk about these, uh, this game, but there's one part in particular that I'll use an, ex- an example. Um, it's late into the game. You have access to everything. And uh, it's basically just a giant murder room. Like, there's just a bunch of shit everywhere that's designed to kill you. Now, you could barrel through it in a way where you just murder everything as, like, a stage three or whatever uh, blob. And, like, it's going to be hard, but you'll probably get through it. But then there's also vents and, like, a way you can go if you're only level one or stage one when you get to that part. Where you can systematically take out, like, a... uh, Tur- there's a turret where you can systematically take out some of the harder to fight uh, like flamethrower guys and whatnot so like i really thought that was ingenious how even though i'm a powerful giant monster if i take enough damage i can still run away and do this fight without feeling like i'm screwed you know i think that's important yeah yeah that's that's something that we really wanted to to implement in the game and, and to make it work, especially that also with you know how how the monster works in general, that it becomes harder to to control and it's less agile the the bigger it gets. It kind of yeah. balances out the difficulty autonomically. On one side, you're super powerful, but you're also much easier to to get hit. And once you get hit, yeah. you get smaller, and then you're uh, a, a harder target, and that kind of evens out the the challenge. It's so it doesn't fuck you up basically, but or fuck you over, yeah. Uh, rather, yeah. Uh, but still, still like adds some you know tension, but also some uh, you know uh, like variety to to combat. It's not like always spam this single single winning skill and and that's it. For sure. Um, how? So this is something I thought was kind of interesting too. What goes into thinking about? what different abilities you get because in a standard metroidvania i can give you the list of things you're going to get a dash you might get like a roll of some sort you're going to get a double jump at some point you might get an air dash like there's kind of like very easily like tropey specific things but when you're a giant mass of just teeth and tentacles and grossness it's kind of like you have to think a little bit harder in how you're going to traverse this world so like what type of like thought process goes into what abilities you're gonna unlock yeah so so yeah basically because if you probably noticed most if not all the classic tropey metroidvania skills you mentioned are more or less related to uh yeah platforming traversal and carrion is basically a platformer without platforming (laughs) so it is which which made my life as a level designer pretty much uh, living hell because if you have no platforms in your platformer or no no reason to go on platforms you're suddenly uh, 
it, it, it was difficult to, <laughs> to yeah. work around all those issues. So yeah, so we had to come up with with uh, skills that would uh, have different or that would uh, interact with the environment in in uh, different ways. Uh, ones that yeah. you can't uh do with with just your grabbing your with your prehensile tentacle uh so which also added some complexity because you know normally when you put a regular crate in front of your character then it's already like a, a pushing or a puzzle or or just something you have to jump over and in this case you can yank everything open and so on so you have to come up with with obstacles that you couldn't interact with with your uh, with your tentacle, and it had to be kind of uh, you know convincing that there is a reason why you can just grab it and and yank it open, and then uh, have some further reason to to make it work only with this particular skill or or set of skills. Uh, so yeah, so yeah, it it had to be like. It had to like uh, fulfill uh, several uh, purposes and at the same time be thematically appropriate. So it had to be something that worked with, yeah. with you know, the the fleshy biomass of, of the monster and, and so on. So yeah, I mean, surprisingly enough, it we didn't spend that much time just figuring out the general idea behind the skills. Obviously, some have changed, some were scrapped, some were added a bit later on in, in development. But I think the, the basics of, of the offensive and defensive skills were uh, kind of decided on fairly early. And, sure. And yeah, they, they turned out to work surprisingly well. Uh, and yeah, obviously, some are like just kind of references to to your classic yeah. <laughs> horror monster tropes like like the way uh, the monster you know kind of dashes through the air with with those claws and, and makes a a sound that's kind of uh similar to to what the aliens did for example or or you have yeah. uh, this photokinesis skill uh, that Kind of turns to invisible or how we explain it. You, you bend light uh, around you, uh, which is what the predator does with, with, uh, his cloaking device. Yeah. Uh, and so on. So, so yeah, some were just, just, uh, those, those classic uh, references and, and some we were just you know, kind of figuring out a way of creating something that could, uh, interact with like, so, for example, we had we had this uh, already mentioned, let's call it dash skill, uh, yeah. that kind of pushes things. So we're like, mm-hmm. yeah, so maybe the class above that should have something that kind of pulls out things. And oh, okay, yeah. Uh, so that's how we came up with those massive tentacles that that uh, like pierce uh, objects and then yank them out. And it's, yeah, it's like, yeah. And it also uh, didn't uh, totally overwrite the, the skill of the, of the middle class, the, the dashing one, 
So yes. because you have this push and pull mechanic suddenly. So so both classes still are viable and both you have to rotate between both. Like we really didn't want or really wanted to avoid the third class overriding the, the second one and just making it totally obsolete. I have to know for myself, what are some of the scrapped ideas you guys threw around a little bit? Well, the abilities. Yeah, there were different ones. Like, for example, uh, initially the the cobweb ability, the the first one you get in the game, wasn't really a cobweb. We were like messing around with the idea of having like some some sting or a poisonous sting that would uh, pretty much uh, have the same purpose as the cobweb, but it would rather I don't know tranquilize people or or turn them berserk or, or whatever things like that. Uh, okay. And also, yeah, a, a projectile uh, skill, uh, one that's kind of stealthy and, and let, allows you to, to trigger stuff remotely. And uh, yeah, we figured out that pushing stuff with, with the cobweb is, is more appropriate and just uh, gives you better feedback than just shooting some some small things that you can't really see properly and it will be like, eh. And here sure. you kind of feel that you, you've grabbed something and pushed it further away. Uh, so that was one. What else? Uh, that's something called elongation, uh, okay. which kind of, I mean, it was just, it was never developed in any way, but the idea was that you could somehow use the, the monster to uh, to grab some different, I don't know, power nodes or, or whatever, co- kind of act as a, a conductor, like a cable between those things and, and kind of trigger some, some machinery that way, stuff like that. But yeah, it was just an idea that we, we scrapped super okay. early. Uh, uh, things like that. But surprisingly enough, most skills kind of made it into the game. Sure. Um, s- what what ability in the game do you think is the funnest, and which one was the most pain in the ass to get to work right? Uh, well, I think, at least based on on what I've seen, it's it's the same ability. The funnest one and the most pain, <laughs> painful one to, to develop is the parasitism skill. So the one that lets yeah. you take take over uh, humans and control them. So yeah, yeah, you know, just the first figuring out how how you do that. There were lots of different ideas uh, how how you would trigger the the the, the impersonation. Uh, so to speak. Uh, so that was one thing. And then just making it, you know, not, not break uh, at odd times. Uh, or, or just the fact that you could wander off with the human and suddenly do the something unexpected. So we had to uh, watch out for, for various soft locks and whatnot that uh, we w- didn't originally predict in the level, for example, things like that. So yeah, it was pretty painful, but from what we've seen, people really do enjoy that feature and, and yeah. it's generally the, the fun favorite one, I think. It's my personal favorite one. So <laughs> yeah. 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 It's so good. Um, so, okay. 
Carrion. Uh, obviously, a horror uh, game or whatever, like where you play the monster. What are some of your favorite monster movies? Like, I see you have The Predator as your... Yeah, uh, and, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say the Predator that Predator or Predators or any of those are really monster movies, but I guess they are in a classic. Yeah, I mean... Where, Technically speaking, mm-hmm. they are. I mean, I, I don't really necessarily yeah. think of them as, as monster movies, but yeah, technically speaking, right. they are. And yeah, the, I mean, The Predator is an absolute favorite of mine. Uh, sure. Yeah. Especially, Did you find that new game? That oh, yeah. game or whatever? Hunting Grounds or however. Yeah, it's is called. that any good? I'm interested in it. I haven't yet. And okay. Yeah, because it, it launched soon before. Uh, Carrion 3 is pretty much so we're all, all, you know like basically crunching full on uh, development yeah. mode so yeah I didn't really look into it too much like some people enjoyed it some said it's like eh. and I don't know it, I, I don't see it being talked about anymore so I don't know I don't either yeah <laughs> that's too bad because yeah. it's like Evolve. Do you remember that game? Evolve? Yeah, yeah. I haven't yeah. played it either, I, but uh, yeah, I okay. remember. It's actually kind of funny because, uh, like you said with Carrion, Evolve is about you playing a monster that grows to the point where it's basically unkill, not unkillable, but like it's much harder and it's being chased by four people trying to kill it or whatever. Um, I I always thought that idea was kind of neat, uh, and to see that it was done with Predator was kind of disappointing and also exciting. Where it's like, this could be really good, or this could ruin the Predator name sort of thing. But, like, I don't know. Yeah, I, it, I was interested. Yeah, in a way. Like, I kind of appreciate all those uh, interesting asymmetrical multiplayer concepts. But at the same time, I'm not a, a big multiplayer gamer myself. Like, uh, Sure. I will generally try something out for like a day or maybe two and like yeah it's cool i could see myself playing that a bit more but yeah i know i never will (laughs) and i'm more about you know single player experiences and so on so i almost always go like yeah it's it's a cool game but if you gave me a single player predator game nowadays uh, i know that would be cool like for example i absolutely loved uh, aliens vs predator uh, you know the 1999 2001 uh, games uh, yes. yeah i mean that's it's so hard to go back to though i tried yeah. a few years ago they're yeah, old I, yeah <laughs> I, I can imagine but they were especially the second one uh, pretty much one of the main sources of inspiration for carrion like the fact sure. that you could play as as the predator and uh, especially the xenomorph in, in that case that was yeah. really like it showed us that it, it can be done in general and it's something that oh, hasn't right. re- really been explored ever since. Like you had the the 2010 Predator, which was kind of eh, yeah, n- maybe not horrible, but not great either. Uh, sure. But other than that, uh, I mean, you all, you had you actually have lots of of those kind of reverse horror things, but they're all multiplayer nowadays. Like the Predator hunting grounds and. And Cut Evolve, uh, Dead by Daylight, Friday the 13th, everything is multiplayer. So, yep. yeah, we're yeah. definitely interested in exploring the concept in a single player game again. 
If you were given the opportunity to make an Alien vs. Predator or just Predator game in like an indie sort of style, what's something that you would focus on as like uh, a core mechanic? Hmm. That's that's a good question because it's it's you know the sheer idea of us having the license to it's huge, <laughs> to, yeah. to do it is is huge. So so we first think the first thing, thought is oh my god this is like a dream come true and the second is yeah. oh oh fuck I don't know how to approach the yeah how <laughs> the are we do this yeah like uh, I'm th- you could go the easy route and be like you're a marine and it's a shooter. And that's maybe a little boring, but I think it would be safe. Uh, I yeah. All I know is that I wouldn't want... Aliens versus Predator, when you could play as the aliens, I hate any time you crawled on the roof and the camera went upside down because I wanted to throw up, like, all the time. So <laughs> I just don't want that. <laughs> no more upside-down camera. <laughs> yeah, I actually kind of enjoyed it, but yeah, it, it really messed with, with your... <laughs> brain and eyes yeah. and everything yeah uh well that's a good question so hmm. actually i think that maybe exploring not not the predator but the alien in in 2d that could be interesting i guess like you, sure. i mean uh, you again have some some similar problems to to what we had with current that gravity isn't really a major obstacle maybe not to the same extent we had with Carrion, but yeah, with with the alien crawling on 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 walls and, and ceilings, yeah, it would be kind of similar in, in that vein. It'd uh, be kind of neat to do kind of an evolutionary thing where you started off as a face hugger looking for a host, and you're like extremely extremely vulnerable to every like somebody could step on you basically, yeah. and you're dead. But then you find somebody, then you like turn into like a baby xenomorph essentially. Like that'd be kind of neat to. Yeah, yeah. Although upgrade. that's pretty much what what the Alien vs. Predator uh, games did. Yeah. So yeah, uh, I'm not entirely sure how to leverage the the potential indie aspect of, of that game just yet. It's something yeah. that would. I mean, we could certainly go with some, you know, like make some some riskier braver decisions in a way uh design wise but yeah i i'm not entirely sure just yet how how we could utilize uh the the indie aspect of 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 it but it would be cool to work on on such a game for sure would be nuts do you find it hard as a developer on the other side now to look at video games and rip them apart for things that they do wrong because now you see that like oh hey like they tried something here and even though it failed miraculously like i couldn't do better like is there some part of you that uh, obviously like even every video game dev grew up playing video games or games of some sort and like i'm sure we all had the moment i still do because i'm just a loud mouth that talks on the internet to people about having opinions about stuff and then like I think it's one of those things that when you see how the sausage is made, you like kind of feel for them in some way. Do you feel like that now where you're just like, look at some games that maybe you would normally be like, oh, this is just a piece of shit. You're just like, they actually tried something here. And even though it failed, like, I can't say anything. Like, how does that affect you well, having opinions on stuff? 
Yeah, I guess it's, it's, it kind of goes in, in both directions, like where sometimes, for example, something's praised and everyone's like, Oh, check out those beautiful pixel art graphics. And I'm like, yeah, but like the lights are, are HD and they don't really blend with the pixel art well enough oh. or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, guys, ooh, I, I get it that the assets are nice, but the graphics in general don't really work all that well and so on so for example that but on the other hand uh, yeah there's definitely stuff that some people kind of hate or don't get and i totally get why why it's that way or for example a, a very interesting aspect of of what uh, you're asking about that i'm finally playing uh, doom eternal now because i didn't have okay. the time to do that once it launched because you know carry on yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it's just so over tutorialized. Like, there's a new enemy, and before you see that enemy, boom, you have a tutorial <laughs> on how to deal with how it. you kill it. Yeah, or <laughs> or or you have a, a tip on the loading screen saying, uh, "Move and dodge." enemies and their projectiles to not to die and i'm like yeah. yeah why i mean like my my gamer instinct is why why are you telling me such obvious stuff but now that i've i've made two games and and i've seen some issues some some players have yeah and uh, especially that in in both cases we tried to be as light on tutorials and over explaining things as as possible i mean our games i carry the old school in that way you know more like another world's era than you know your assassin's creed uh, where the tutorial basically never ends and you always have the tall tips unless you specifically turn them off in in the menus uh, did you finish doom eternal just out no, of curiosity no. Not yet. I've okay. only restarted it. I'm like okay, uh, three levels in or so. Uh, you think it's okay? Yes, although I think it's a bit over-designed in a way, and just yeah, yeah. it's kind of bloated with everything. I mean, it's it's actually another thing I I get like based on what I've seen, like the reactions to to our games. And then being very, you know, focused on, on the core experience and not having an awful lot, uh, of optional stuff, and, and so on. Uh, yeah. I totally understand why, uh, why Doom Eternal is like it is. And I don't hate the devs for it because I totally understand. But on the other hand, I think that the game suffers for it. Like, uh, Doom 2016. Yeah. I didn't really enjoy the upgrade system in that one. I already thought that it's kind of uh, too much, too much for for Doom. Yeah, because Doom is just about you know. In Doom, the upgrade to the shotgun was a super shotgun. It was literally a new weapon. Yeah, that's it. That's all you need. Yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I get it, but it, it didn't really detract for from the experience all that much. Well, maybe uh, the the constant looking for for secrets which actually kind of 
uh, affected your your you know your your stats in a way. So kind of the game wanted you to look for them, but at the same time it kind of made uh, you know like the pacing and, and the flow of of combat and and everything kind of separated. But it wasn't uh, a major problem. Uh, here I think they kind of fixed the exploration uh, issue yeah. because it's kind of I guess. It's easier to find everything, and also, I don't know. I but guess they added they, platforming to do it. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's true. The platforming is kind of overdone in in some places, but I I don't mind it that much. What I mind is just the amount of of uh, new skills in a way, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, like uh, new. New hardware you have that isn't just weapons because between weapons you switch and, and that's okay. But you also have the grenades and the the ice grenade also <laughs> and the yeah. flame belch. I mean I'd be fine with them adding one of those just so we have the the chainsaw and now we also have the flame belch. That's okay. But now we have also those two types of grenades and oh we yeah. also have the runes and yep. you have the uh, alternative. Uh, uh, ways of shooting some guns and and oh and also uh, different different uh, how do you call them like those modifications uh, for yeah, for each gun right. w- between which yeah. you can also uh, also switch and in fact it's something I've already managed to forget about because I had a, like a couple of weeks break between today's session and the f- last session and and I didn't change those today really. yeah <laughs> yeah so there's just <laughs> so many of those things and i mean they do kind of work well together i kind of appreciate the 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 rotation and just that the combat isn't just uh, mindless uh, shooting with whatever you have and you have to kind of keep things varied but i think it's overdone and especially the amount of cooldowns like it's yeah it's kind of, uh, if you took uh, an MMO like World of Warcraft with all those cooldowns, which is, you know, the, the pacing of MMOs, especially the, the, the older ones, isn't like, like extremely fast. So, so you have the time to, to watch all your cooldowns. The boss fight is going for like 15, 20 minutes and so on. That's cooler. But when you take all those cooldowns and throw them into Doom, which is, yeah. Faster and and more hectic and, and so on with each iteration, it becomes like kind of too much. Like yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I agree for sure. I yeah. actually like Doom Eternal a lot, but man, that is a bloated, weird game. That does not yeah. feel like a Doom game by the end. Yeah, you that's doing true. So much. Okay. Uh, so, some things I I don't entirely even get, d- despite me having that tutorial for it and explaining it. And then you have I don't know this yeah. bar with that you fill in as you kill stuff and and do the arenas. And I'm like, like what purpose does it actually serve? I mean, I get it. It's again this uh, this weird thing that it kind of has to be a game as a service and it has to be yeah. <laughs> eternal, right? And, yeah. But yeah, I think there's just way, way too much stuff, especially for what is basically the first sequel to the game. Like, uh-huh. I, I guess if it was done in steps, it would have been less of a 
uh, shock in a way, and here it just throws you in. And I, I still really enjoy it, but yeah, I, I, it's just too much in a way. Like I, I just want to shoot totally. demons and and yep. jump around the arenas, and that's cool. And I'm just more focused on on whether I have enough ammo of this, and then whether I'm using this rune and this and just a lot, a lot. Do you uh have you gotten the super shotgun yet? Yeah, I, I've just got that today. Okay, man, that I will say the one thing Doom Eternal does that I love is they fixed the one problem with the super shotgun, which has always been you kind of need to be kind of close to something to use it properly. It's like, well, let's just put a chain on that motherfucker. <laughs> let's yeah, just make yeah, it so you push yeah. yourself. This, this, for example, is a great addition. Like, I'm totally behind that, yeah. and, and it's awesome. And I think, like, this and dash and and maybe the flame belch, that would be totally enough. Like, enough. And it's so good, yeah. Yeah. The minigun thing that you can do is pretty neat, too, where it splits up into a lot of miniguns. It's dumb. That game <laughs> is dumb. <laughs> I love it so much. But... I also really kind of like the Doom movie, so my opinion on Doom is skewed. Oh, you mean the, the, f- the first one, the, the Rock one, and Carl Urban one? That one, yeah. I'm yeah, honest, yeah. I'll be real with you. The only reason I like it is because of that two-minute sequence. Yeah, it's Doom. yeah. <laughs> I, I actually went to the cinema to, to watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. I was so and, excited about it. Yeah, I mean... It wasn't great, but I still kind of enjoyed it. Like, I think it would have been much better if they, you know, stayed true to the, oh, those are demons from hell on, on Mars or Moon or wherever. Uh, yeah. Instead of this kind of bullshit mutation, something, blah, blah, blah. Uh, it's, yeah. Uh, why? It's, I, and it, I, I think its biggest problem is that it's kind of boring for a yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's true. Uh, yeah. oh, that in fact often, uh, or maybe not that often, but sometimes you know, when when they're adapting games which are mostly about the action and shooting, they somehow make them boring. Like the Max Payne movie, like you always have oh my God. no no shooting there at all. Like there will maybe like two scenes with with bullet time, and they weren't all that great either. And and basically nothing really happened in that movie, and I'm like, why? It's crazy, I- because Max Payne is the game that got famous for taking something from a movie. So you would think that the movie Max Payne would basically just be all the cool parts of The Matrix in a like noir film. But they didn't do that. They made some shitty like detective film that actually just sucks. <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah, and... It, they could have like taken just some of the best scenes from the the game and put them in, and, and it would have been already much better. Like it's, I I don't know why. I mean, it was a very cinematic game for its time. So. You know, Dread is one of the best movies that needs to be a video game. Like that would have been a good video game movie if that was a video game. Yeah, yeah that's that's true. Because that whole game, that whole movie. Is literally starting. Dread starts, or Judge Dread starts at level zero, and he goes works his way up into the penthouse and then kills the boss. Like it is literally a video game. That yeah, movie. yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that that's funny. That very often, like 
movies that aren't based on video games are more like a video game adaptation than the actual video game adaptations, which kind of go into some weird direction more often than not, and are kind of, eh, why, why are we doing this? I'm actually wondering what they're going to do with, with the Uncharted adaptation. Like, Uncharted yeah. are basically your Indiana Jones and so on movies already. So, in theory, yeah. it's something you can't fuck up, but I have a feeling that but they will. The, they will, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tom Holland, I love though, and that, yeah. the fact that he's in it, so maybe. Yeah, although I'm, yeah, I'm kind of not feeling, you know, them going for for young Drake right away. It's something you yeah. do, I don't know, in flashbacks or in, in some sequel when you run out of ideas or or your actor becomes too old and then you're like, oh yeah, let's do him uh, young and Tom Holland. I mean, maybe the idea is that Tom Holland now will be able to play the character for like next 20 years or so, or even longer. But um, yeah, I don't the question like is Indiana Jones, so I I tend to agree. <laughs> yeah, the question is whether Tom Holland will actually. No, with age, turn into someone, someone resembling uh, the, like the charisma and, and so on of of older Drake, and uh, I'm not entirely sure because. Yeah, I don't well, know. it's weird because Nathan Fillion literally just is Nathan. Yeah, Drake. yeah, yeah. So like, just do that, hire that guy. Man, I I get sad every time I talk about Nathan Fillion though because I want Firefly to come back so bad, but <laughs> it's never happening. <laughs> I have to accept it. Man, now I'm sad. Okay, um, a few more things I just want to touch on. And I'm I'm going to be part of the shitties that I'm sure people have been bothering you with this. I don't like that there's no map in Carrion. I know why that is, because you're a fucking monster. I get it, okay? I'm just saying, as somebody who, when I play these types of games, have to see every door, like you were saying earlier, I'm that player. And I'm sorry, I just wanted to be able to see where I'm going so I can 100% the game. That's all it yeah, is. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, I get what you're saying. The thing is that, I I mean, obviously one one of the reasons why there isn't a monster is, uh, there isn't a map is, as you said, because you're a monster. So you're not going to pull out a pen and paper uh, and, and start drawing, you know, but, a map. Okay, what if you control a human to read the map? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that would be kind of yeah, quite funny. Yeah, but in general, the game was designed uh, with the players paying attention to to the environment. Yeah, in, in mind, like basically what what Dark Souls, uh, in general, all the From Software games are are doing, and it's something that I think nowadays people are simply not expecting. Like games over the last yeah fifteen years or so have taught us that you don't really have to pay attention to the environment because you always have a marker, you always have a map, so you just have to figure out, oh, so you are here and you go here and you just need the general direction and that's it. And yep. in fact, uh, the game, for example, literally tells you if you've 100% hit yeah, an area. Later on. You... Yeah, well, I mean, but... right away, but like, I really like that right before the last area the uh giant control room with everything in it yeah but even after you know beating each each area each level so to speak you yeah. have a literal summary of whether you've 
done everything or whether there's something left. So that's one yeah. thing. Or you also have those dot matrix displays that also whenever there's some, let's say, trickier part that requires you to go back to some, uh, some, uh, level that's already been beaten, but not fully because it has some additional, uh, skill to unlock or, or another exit to that leads somewhere. Uh, the game literally tells like all personnel, please go to that area, which is like a chamber next to you. And, uh, yeah, I've seen people say that they never got lost because they were just paying, you know, attention to the environment, which I'm not saying that people can't do that. It's just games nowadays have told us that taught us that we don't have to do it. Like, no, just yeah. if you t- compare Morrowind and Oblivion, obviously both games have maps, so it's not exactly the same case. But uh, in Morrowind, you didn't have any map markers, like unless right uh, other than you had to actually you, read where yeah, somebody said read, something was. Yeah, where to go, go north until you reach this mountain, then go right into that cave, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah. And it was absolutely awesome. And you really had to pay attention to, to how the world is built, where you are, what's going on, and and it really gave you this sense of of exploration and, and discovery. And in Oblivion, just a couple years later, like four years or so, they just give you a map with all the markers and fast travel and I mean like yeah. the whole like what what was the point of having this very beautiful for, for that time uh, worlds that you just mostly spend clicking like on the fast map, fast traveling, fast traveling, and, and that's it. So what's the point? And you know, pretty much every game ever since has been like that, other than you know the the Souls games. And yeah. in fact, I think if it wasn't for the fact that the main obstacle people you know uh, used to to kind of modern games, let's call them. Uh, if it wasn't that the main problem they have with, with Souls is the, the general difficulty or, or the perceived difficulty because those games aren't really that hard. They just uh, kind of require you to, you know, pay attention to stuff and, uh, not, not rush things and they kind of yeah. demand some patience and, and to shame from you. Uh, yeah. So it, yeah. if it wasn't for the general difficulty, I think that the most talked about, uh, let's call it issue, would be that there is no map, and I've actually seen some people say that they uh, they didn't get into Dark Souls and and quit it because it didn't have a map, and I think that's and, that, and those games they're lying. That's not why <laughs> they're lying. No. There's no oh, way. It's maybe, because they got maybe. frustrated. Oh, probably yeah. <laughs> but I think if the games were easier uh, in general when it comes to you know combat. Uh, I think that one of the main quitting reasons would be the lack of map, because again, it's, I mean, in Dark Souls, it's, it's, it again requires, uh, some, some patience and attention to detail from you. So it's basically the same skills required, uh, from you to, to beat, uh, the enemies, the bosses and so on. So I guess most people who, who kind of pass the let's call it the skill check when it comes to, to combat they also <laughs> pass the skill check when it comes to to travels or and exploration but in case of carry on this being you know this reverse horror and you basically playing us as the boss of the game uh, so we didn't want to uh, overdo the difficulty so uh, it it's not yeah, no that's bo- it's not butter too so yeah so i no. think the the main uh, obstacle 
some people face is the lack of map. So, yeah, it's... I think the most important thing you just said is that Butcher 2 is coming soon. So, thank <laughs> that exclusive. Butcher um, Eternal. Yeah. Butcher Eternal. With lots I'm of cooldowns. Like, I'm going to give you uh, it for sure that, like, the way you guys have designed the game, you don't need a map. I'm saying for me personally, I've rushed through the game because I, I was excited to see where it was going to. And then I was just like, okay, now I'm going to 100% it. Oh, shit. Where was that thing I saw an hour ago? <laughs> That's all. That For me personally, it would have been nice if like when I finished the game, just give me like a bleep to show me where the skill I missed was. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I get you. Yeah, but yeah, when like you start going around the the overworld or, or the frontier, how it's called, you will eventually figure out that it's not really that big, and it's kind of. I mean, you just have to see the the, you know, the 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 summary above the exit, and you're like, yeah, I've been there, I've done that, and and that's it. So it's not. No, that... you're supposed to cater to me. You're not supposed to yeah, make yeah. me do the work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm obviously kidding uh it wasn't too too bad i did get lost for about an hour because i kept going in the same loop because i'm an idiot but that's not your fault <laughs> <laughs> i literally stayed in one part of the map going around in circles looking at the same shit for like half an hour because i forgot over and over that i was there before i don't want to talk about it anymore um <laughs> Okay, uh, the other thing I really wanted to... There's two actually things I really wanted to touch on, but, like, uh, it, it, now it feels weird because I'm just kind of throwing them in, like, oh, now all of a sudden it's an interview instead of just chatting. Um, <laughs> I need to know, because you're the first person I've talked to that actually has been through this process, the whole, like, idea of Game Pass, like, when I was, was talking to more and more people, the big thing we talked about was Steam Greenlight, if you remember that weird yeah. indie initiative a while ago. And, um... I have to say, Game Pass is one of the reasons why I play video games this year. Uh, it's been, like, kind of hard financially for a lot of people, myself and, like, our household included. And uh, there's no way I would have been able to play, like, a game a week at, like, 60 to $80 <laughs> every, like, month or whatever. Um, do you think Game Pass has, like, helped with how big Carrion has gotten as opposed to, like, maybe it being more of an cult indie thing like it's probably helped you guys quite a bit right get your name out there potentially i mean like the games is doing pretty well on game pass so so that's great but it's not doing bad on on you know regular steam switch and so on so uh i mean i can officially say that because developer has has said that that uh, around uh, uh, a week in we were approaching and have already passed uh, 200 thousand copies sold so so not the game pass ones so i think oh. the game would do pretty well anyway and you basically can never tell how like how like what's the ratio between you know the the exposure and and visibility the the game pass has given you uh versus how many people have just played it in game pass instead of of buying it on on steam or or some other platform so pff, you can't really tell but yeah well uh, yeah in general a lot of people have played the game on game pass so when it comes to just building uh you know the like the the ip in general just getting people to to learn about the game it's 
certainly has helped a lot. Like plenty of people have played it only thanks to Game Pass. Some after, I don't know, reading or watching some not necessarily uh, rave review, they were like, yeah, I have it on Game Pass. I'll give it a try anyway. And then they go back and they say, oh yeah, I actually loved it. And the reviewer wasn't really all that right about everything. And that's something that wouldn't have happened without Game Pass. So yeah, so yeah, I think it's, it's definitely has its, its, uh, its value when it comes to the general exposure. But yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, there's no hard science here. So you, yeah. I mean, we need an alternate reality in which everything is exactly the same except for the Game Pass deal. And then we could compare the numbers. That's the only thing we could do. So, uh, yeah, it's hard to say, but I'm, I'm in general very happy about the Game Pass deal. So yeah, yeah. it's, it's always good for, for the brand and, and so on. I think at least in, in our case, it, it was. That's probably a devolver thing specifically, but do you guys see the numbers of like who, how many people have played it on Game Pass or any of that? Or is that kind of like a publisher deal? Uh, it's a publisher deal. Like we have a general yeah. insight into it. It's it's a lot. It goes into hundreds of thousands of people, but it's sure. not something I'm either exactly up to date and not something I can also you know get into yeah. specific details. But yeah, it's doing very well. It's doing very well on Game Pass, and yeah, that's sure. that's cool. I was just more wondering if like what information is given to the developers specifically because I know publishers usually get most of that stuff and like, yeah, maybe yeah. it's a publisher by publisher basis. I know Devolver is kind of known for actually talking to their dev teams. So, yeah, <laughs> like the, Devolver isn't like hiding anything from us. It's more of just how each platform is built. Like for example, on Steam yeah. we have direct access to to the stats, so we know everything pretty much in real life uh, in the real time uh, and when it comes to other platforms we generally have to just ask how, how it's doing and they tell us and we're like oh yeah cool <laughs> that's how it works how many people do you think didn't buy carrion on switch because the picture for the longest time looked like a bleedy vagina that's a good question. That's a good question. I mean, <laughs> uh, on one hand, some people said, oh, yeah, I'm not buying it because of that. On the other hand, it gave us a lot of uh, unexpected uh, press. Press, press, yeah. I mean, yep. first we had uh, some uh, like Kotaku and Polygon pieces on the icon looking like a very sore uh, vagina. And then once... The patch was finally approved and it went live and so on. And we actually yeah. changed it to what it, what it was meant to be from the get go because the <laughs> patch actually, I mean, the icon was changed before the release, in fact. Uh, so. Oh, so that was the original icon? I mean, the one that was meant to be there, like the, the vagina was basically the, the placeholder, the placeholder. Right from, you know, like the, alpha sneak peek demo and so on we use the vagina there and it's oh. not really something that uh, we are meaning to specifically get uh, out on switch and yeah. yeah but before you know the whole certification and so on process uh, went through lots of people got to experience the, the glory of, of the <laughs> bloody vagina 
yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. That's so, so, so yeah, once that finally was changed, we got another round of, of press, uh, and, and visibility, uh, because now everyone was reporting that the icon was finally changed. <laughs> yeah. So that, that was quite hilarious, uh, you know, free marketing because of, uh, uh damn icon. Uh, but yeah, some people actually said that, oh no, it's censorship and, and so on. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it wasn't, it wasn't. Although what amazes me the most is that Nintendo, uh, allowed this vagina icon to go live in right? the first place. It's crazy. Like they they yeah. certified it and they were like, totally cool. And That's yeah, so actually, weird. actually, the main reason why we really wanted to change it was that we learned about the whole uh, issue uh, many people have with with switch icons not having the logo on on the icon. That's that's something we weren't aware of. Like, oh. We all have huh. switches, but we're not huge switch switch players, and yeah, it's. Suddenly we learned that there's a whole community of people reporting on games that don't have logos on their Switch icon and that game is a no by then and we're like, oh crap, I guess we need to add an icon, uh, a logo to the icon. So we just went with, you know, with the key art. If it had been, you know, or or I guess if the vagina had uh, the logo from the get go, I'm not sure if we would have changed it ever or that quickly (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it it wasn't about censorship it was just about having the logo out there (laughs) sure makes sense um uh final thing just about carrion specifically if you were to sell the rights to the movie of carrion because weirdly enough like i don't know who'd be listening to us talk right now that hasn't played it uh I'm not going to, like, do spoilers necessarily, but there's, like, weirdly a story going on underneath there that, like, I for one thing, I, you uh, brought up Dark Souls and kind of From Software in general. From Software obviously is an inspiration to you guys in some way because they're kind of the kings currently, in this day and age anyways, of uh, environmental storytelling and never just, like, giving you a bunch of text telling you what's going on. And, like, you guys obviously did that. Because there's a story of some sort going on that's really ambiguous um, in a lot of ways. So, you guys are selling the rights to the movie. Who do you get to play in it, and how is it shot? So, we're getting Keanu Reeves to play as the monster. <laughs> yeah, <obviously>. of course. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then there's no other choice here. Mm, and and <laughs> how is it shot? That's actually a good question. Like, uh, yeah, you either uh, over-explain everything and do it, you know, Prometheus style and and mess up the whole <laughs> franchise, <laughs> or you keep things ambiguous and okay. and you know, I, I guess this is what we'd have to go for. But at the same time explain something like give some additional you know lore tidbits and uh, i guess it w- would have to have some story at least you know some dialogues or whatever but yeah how it would be shot that's that's a good question uh yeah i mean it could be a regular horror which i guess would be the easiest way but it would kind of uh, i mean what if it takes place at the end of the game 
where the game is actually the prequel to the movie, essentially. Yeah, that's that could be easier. Although I guess that it would be basically a sequel to the thing in a way. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah, uh, or I guess for example, one idea or somewhat, it would be tricky. Would be to, for example, keep the or at least shoot most of it or large portions of it from the monster's perspective, but for example, it crawling through the air ducts and so on and just listening to <laughs> the dialogue from, from the scientists and, and whatnot. But yeah, it, it would be tricky. I mean, it would be great to, to make a movie or, or some other adaptation, but yeah, it's, it's not something that, that's easy. I mean, the reverse horror doesn't translate easily. I guess. Right. So yeah, but right. if if it somehow turned out to be a decent movie adaptation of a video game, which rarely happens, to be honest, uh, yeah, it, <laughs> it it could be really really cool. I'm a big oh. fan of video game adi- adaptations because usually they're so bad that they're fun, or they're like just okay, <laughs> and that's yeah. fine with me. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> Yeah, although I'm actually looking forward to to the Mortal Kombat one, it's it has a mm-hmm. surprisingly good cast that actually looks like the characters, at least most of them, and and there are supposed to be fatalities and and so on. So yeah, it, it might not suck too much. I mean, actually, the first Mortal Kombat movie was surprisingly good. I mean, it's it didn't have good. Yeah. I watched it recently. <laughs> oh, I, I have to rewatch it. I, I actually bought it on Blu-ray because I'm a huge nerd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, so uh, so I have to re- rewatch it at some point. And yeah, I mean, it's it's basically like a high-budget Power Rangers or something, but it's it's surprisingly great despite being you know pretty much kids-friendly and and not exactly what Mortal Kombat is best known for, but it's you know, surprisingly. Uh, it's good. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun and and surprisingly uh, truthful to the story. Like obviously there are some creative licenses and so on, but it doesn't uh, like it doesn't turn it into a, I know a boring detective movie without you know any action yeah. right? So <laughs> how do you fuck up Max Payne? Like yeah. I don't understand. That game is just a video game of a movie that didn't exist. Yeah. I don't understand. And you know what's what's the best part is that there was some early review going around that you know before anyone from the public has actually seen the movie saying that yeah. oh the movie is all just shooting it's just action no no plot and we're like nope. yeah I mean it's not so bad then I guess because at least there's some shooting. And it turns yeah. out no, which also means that plenty of reviewers never watch the movies that they review, supposedly. Right. So yeah, that that's something to to be wary of. <laughs> Quick question: What is the best Keanu Reeves movie, and why is it Constantine? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I love that movie. It's the yeah. movie nobody talks about with Keanu ever, and it's one of my favorites of his. Yeah, 
it's it's fun. I mean, yeah, it's fun. Obviously, I I, I love John John Wick's all of them. The, so, the John Wick movies are very good. Yeah. The John Wick movies are basically good Max Payne. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> pretty much yeah. I mean, just add bullet time, and you have a Max Payne adaptation. Like, I mean, it's, yeah. it's pretty much the same thing. He's going after uh, a bunch of dudes who have killed uh, the most precious thing he had so the dog or, or the wife and the kid same thing basically i guess only less you... drinking is like the only thing really that's different. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, i mean keanu is too cool to drink <laughs> he is too cool to drink when did yeah. it change for him because he wasn't cool to begin with i, I think it's it was around like between the... speed yeah i mean yeah, I guess he became cool then, and then uh, years after The Matrix, he wasn't that cool again, and then John Wick happened, and he became cool again, and then you're breathtaking, and and yeah. now Keanu Reeves is, is basically the second coming of Jesus. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so it's... It's cyberpunk. Yeah. It's, yeah. Why do so many good games come out of your part of the world? What did uh, what happened? I guess it's it's cheap labor. <laughs> it, oh man, that's weirdly dark. It used to be Japan, and now it's like I'm like I'm not gonna just say Poland. I'm gonna say just like in Europe, it, like Eastern Europe generally, is kind of like I guess there's some good stuff in, from the UK, but yeah. I don't know. It's just weird. Yeah, but UK used to make games like forever. Like, I mean, That's basically, R- Rockstar is pretty much uh, originally UK based in many ways, uh, and so on. So yeah, uh, that's that's a good question. I mean, I guess there are various reasons. Maybe, uh, for example, one being that we've always had lots of very good programmers like we're always strong in it for whatever reason i mean i maybe because it's relatively easy to you know uh, self-teach it's like uh, i mean basically it's it's hard to to really learn programming uh, during uh, you know just some lectures and so on so uh, even back when Poland was kind of a third world country, uh, going out of, you know, the, the communism and so on, it was, yeah. if you could only get your hands on, on some hardware and preferably, you know, an internet connection, then you were basically a god. Uh, you had access to everything needed to, to learn if you wanted to learn to, to make video games. So that's one thing. Yeah. I guess it's kind of a, relatively it has a low entry cost but yeah uh, it's it's really started to change once it it wasn't all about just you know big publishers from from the western world uh yeah having a say on on who makes the hit so i guess uh yeah i guess digital distribution and in general you know the globalization of the market has helped a lot because you know, back yeah. in, in the day, even if you did something cool around here, it was hard to get it out to people in in any 
reasonable way. So I guess that's that's one thing. But yeah, in fact, our previous games like the 90s ones and early 2000s, most of them were kind of shit or just decent. We had a few ex- exceptions from the rule, like Painkiller was was actually a very good game. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just, oh, uh, it's good because it's Polish. We had a saying that kind of, you know, like <laughs> in, in, yeah. in our reviews, like a Polish game got uh, kind of some bonus points just for the sake of, of being Polish and finally something remotely playable from Poland. <laughs> yeah, but I think once, once uh, we got kind of the know-how, from either the internet or, you know, just uh, some people starting to work for, for Western companies and so on. I guess we kind of figured it out and, and suddenly are one of the leading countries when it comes to game development for one reason or another. Uh, it's kind of yeah. interesting. I have a theory and it's um based on the fact, I think it was Brazil is one of those countries that... um. Was it Brazil or maybe Cuba? I can't remember which one, but it was one that didn't get a whole lot of gaming stuff from the U.S. back, like, long, long time ago. Uh, so what they did is they just kind of, like, ev- their companies down there just basically stole the ideas of, like, what the U.S. were doing for, like, Genesis and NES and stuff like that and just kind of doing their third-party version of it and, like, making whatever games they wanted to. And, like, I feel like there's kind of something similar going on in, like, the Soviet era, uh... And, like, in Europe in general, where there was kind of, like, the Iron Curtain going on. And, like, um, I know in Russia, it was kind of one of those things where, the uh, at that time, or in the USSR, you only played the games you basically could code yourself. So, like, a lot of people basically just, like, learned coding. Kind of, yeah. like... That's, uh, that, that's true. It was the same thing here, in fact. So And mm-hmm. you even had those magazines which printed the code... Uh, yeah, for, and for you had to put it in yourself for the game. Yeah. That's true. Yep. Yeah, and, and if you made a mistake, which you often did, you had to debug it yourself. So yeah, that's how. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a good point. That's uh, certainly how lots of of programmers uh, have have came to be back back in the day. And I think that's it's kind of showing uh, kind and even then, if like, more, yeah. All the um, people that were very good at it, kind of like a big, a nice little indie scene, but like there wasn't indies yet. So they formed companies to do this stuff. One of which CG Project Red, uh, which is one of the biggest or whatever CG CD Project. Um, uh, I guess like for the Witcher series and stuff. You know them. I'm just saying for like anybody who might yeah. not. Um, and the big thing they did is they created good old games or GOG as it's known now uh, to distribute and publish their own stuff. And I think they were kind of one of the big things from Poland that like opened Poland up to the rest of the world. And it's like, well, we just talked to these guys now. Oh, they're from here. What else is from here? Uh, Like the other one that broke out where people can fly started working with uh, Epic and Oh my God, what the hell was the name of the other company? The one I can't remember the name of the other company, but like they were oh Gearbox and stuff like that oh, yeah, to do yeah. certain stuff. So like they kind of got their own name as well. But like now you have uh, 
things like Bloober Team is one of my favorites. Uh, they do Layers of Fear. Observer was one of my favorite games. Uh, a lot of like horror stuff, so they're one of my favorites from your guys' part of the world. Um, yeah. 11-Bit Studios is one of the big ones over there as well. Like It's kind of opening up now in a big way, and I th- just think it's really, really cool that that can happen. Yeah, that's true. And you also have Tech Hunt, you know, with with Dying Cloud. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Can't forget about that one. Yeah, it's it's yeah. We have lots of a lot of companies, and yeah, it's it's quite amazing and and very good for you know game developers because they always have some place to go <laughs> when they're changing jobs or, and so on, or if they're fed up with being too indie, they can always go be a bit less indie with with some bigger company or actually stop being in the end work on cyberpunk. <laughs> How, um, I just, I'm going to forget about this before I say it. Techland. I can't believe I forgot about them because gunslinger is one of the best shooters of all time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's cool. It's, it's, it's really, one of my favorites. Really cool. It was like, I think one of the first games I remember where the whole game is told like somebody telling a story at a bar so there's points where, like, if you die, it's like, no, it didn't go like that, actually. And then it, like, rewinds, sort of, because it's somebody telling, like, the story of what yeah. happened. It's so cool. What a cool idea for a game. Yeah. Um, I, I guess it was kind of ahead of its time, in a way. I mean, uh, you know, yeah. with with all the indie dialogue-based experiences like Firewatch and so on that were, were are mostly based around, you know, this idea of... of kind of storytelling and so on i think that gunslinger nowadays could have been uh, uh i i mean it it didn't do bad i think but it could have been a, a, a massive it could hit. have been bigger yeah yeah i agree um with the way the indie boom happened back in like the 2012s and stuff like that do you think it's changed gaming for the better or is it harder for indie devs now where it's kind of like there was a while there with uh edmund mcmillan um I can't remember his name, Jonathan, whatever. No. For, yeah, like all yeah. of them back in like 2011, 2012, where Braid, uh, Super Meat Boy, these sort of games, right? They started blowing up and indies kind of got the huge spotlight. Like, why bother paying for these like corporate million people dollar games when I can give like this dude in the basement who spent like five years making this awesome thing? like 20 bucks myself and get the the thing or whatever do you think like it's opened up the door for uh more indies or do you think there's kind of like a like is there a backlash to it now like where people there was a while there where it felt like people were getting sick of indie games is what i'm trying to get at where it's like yeah yeah oh i'm so sick of like pixel art stuff i just want like I don't I don't know what people want to be honest yeah. with you but yeah that's that's um, what uh, among indie game developers was often referred to as as the indie apocalypse quality. yeah yeah uh, it happened a couple of years ago that it was this this huge topic and yeah. well I I think in general uh, those guys and those years opened the door and without that period and and those games uh, we wouldn't have gotten most of of the indie games we eventually got and and like most people would either I don't know uh, do some new ground stuff only or 
yeah or go and work on some other big project in some in some uh corpo pretty much uh yeah so i i think yeah obviously there is this market saturation that we have nowadays but i think that uh, the the benefits outweigh the the yeah. the cons definitely and i mean you know this market saturation and it's pretty much just uh the way it is with every single entertainment industry once it uh, matures like how many bands are there like when you're starting a band uh like unless you have some very famous realities or whatever you can't really expect uh to make it big in any way yeah. like unless you're extremely lucky i mean it can happen but it's like winning the lottery basically and most people don't really start a band with with high expectations at all like most bands actually you know it costs more to to go and play than you can play a gig or whatever than you can earn from from such a gig so yeah it's it's very much a hobby and i don't know same goes for for books like how many books are there uh, are are being published or or not published uh, every single day and and how many are actually uh at even a moderate success so the same thing happens or has happened with with games like it's just something you have to accept that unless you're in a huge studio that that uh, knows that its game will sell more or less well at least then you're never certain like you can hope obviously that your game will will do well but it's not something you can really expect realistically nowadays so sure yeah that's that's how it works and that's how it will most likely always work sure yeah i agree um all right i think that's about it what's one of i want some recommendations uh i'm a horror fan and i feel like i haven't been watching a lot of horror movies because they've been kind of shitty <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the your favorite horror movies of the last like ten years? The last ten years? Oh crap! I haven't yeah, seen just like all, a... I haven't seen mm. all that many of of the last ten years, especially that okay. like five of them I wasted on on making games. Yeah. Yeah. God. Like, have I seen did you it? watch that remake of it? Oh yeah, uh, I actually have. And was yeah. what, how was the second part? Because I didn't watch the second part yet. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it wasn't as good as the first one. I think you enjoyed the first one. Uh, I yeah, it was okay. It was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, it's it's not really a horror per se. I mean, I don't think it's trying to be particularly scary. It's more, you know, kind of comedic like a in some movie. ways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's fun. It's fun, but and it's pretty decent, but not necessarily scary. But yeah, yeah. The second one is kind of more of the same. Obviously, you have the time skip and and so on. At it's yeah, it's it holds up pretty well. Like it's it's not a disappointment. If you like the first one, uh, the second one is yeah, almost as good. I think it's okay. Okay. Yeah. Have you heard, have you heard of a movie called Good Night, Mommy? I that's one that's think been recommended. 
I, I've heard the name, but I don't really know what it's about, and I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's something about, like, these kids' mom has, like, a face surgery, and it, like, changes her. Oh, yeah, was it, was it a German movie, I think? Or maybe, maybe? it's a remake or something? I actually stuff. don't know I much mean, about it. <laughs> yeah, I know that I wanted to watch it at some point. Uh-huh. Uh, but, but I had the version without subtitles, uh, and that oh. one was was German, and I don't know German, so it's like, yeah, maybe maybe one day I, I will. But yeah, it's it's general that they start, yeah, that the mommy starts like eating insects or whatever, and, and the kids start. Uh, oh, gross! Uh, yeah, I think suspecting that that maybe she isn't her anymore or whatever. Uh, yeah, I've heard yeah. it's very good, and like the couple of minutes I did watch of it uh, were very promising. So yeah, thank you for reminding me about that one. I actually have to uh, to uh, go and and watch it with subtitles. And yeah, I'll give there's you... a good there's a good chance it was remade. I mean, it's very sure. often that most things are <laughs> honestly. Yeah, if it's what, good somewhere else, the US will take it for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, there's one I do have recommended for you if you haven't seen it called It Follows. Have you seen that one? Oh, no, no. I forgot okay. about it. It Follows is really good. You should check it. It's not like a horror movie in that it has, uh, it has, uh, jump scares or anything like that. It's just the whole movie is uncomfortable and, like, stressful. Because it's about mm. a thing that keeps following them. Like a thing that can, like, look like different people or whatever. And it never stops. So, like, this group of people can't sleep, they can't, like, they can run away from it, and it'll walk, it just keeps walking towards them forever. Like, yeah. it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. And when it comes to f- movies that aren't actual, you know, like, uh, real horrors, technically speaking, and, and are just very uncomfortable, uh, funny games? Uh, yeah. I don't know, yeah. Okay, I have yeah, heard I, of this one, I didn't see it. Yeah, it's, again, a German movie that was remade uh, by, I think even by the same director, I think, but with, you know, an American cast. And I did actually watch the remake. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's actually very good, very uncomfortable. And sometimes it breaks the fourth wall and so on. And it's very intense, although in most scenes, not much really happens. It's just, you know the the intensity in, in the air of you know just those guys coming in and breaking an egg by supposedly <laughs> an accident and the intensity is holy shit like it's much more intense than most horror movies out there despite it's being you know just some two nicely dressed uh, guys coming to borrow some eggs and suddenly accidentally supposedly accidentally breaking them and it it only gets more intense from from there. It's really good, but not for everyone. Like not for the faint <laughs> of heart. Sure. Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Cool. Uh, I think that will probably do it. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say or talk about? Uh, I I don't think so. I mean, we, we could go on for hours <laughs> like that, but yeah, yeah. I, I I think we covered most of the. Uh, important, interesting stuff, I guess, or we can Honestly, talk more... Honestly, I just like uh, talking about games and movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can do that for hours as well. We can always, you know, 
uh, talk more about there being too many cooldowns in Doom Eternal. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Have you? Okay. I'm sorry. I don't. I, I'm gonna bring it up. Have you played? Uh, not played. Have you fought the demons with the shield yet? Uh, you mean Eternal? the shields, the ones who break easily with the plasma gun, or you mean the some later ones? Okay. Because you, you have. have <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing you're talking about. I, I, I'm not sure if they have shields. The Marauders. Oh, I can't remember the names of them. Let me look it up here. It might I mean, be who. I, I I did hear that there was some drama and and uh, the developers. Yes, the Marauders. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard about them, but I haven't fought them yet. So, yeah, I'm not sure oh if God. if they weren't nerfed. I don't know. I, I know that the developers were actually uh, making some official statements on on how to beat those guys and so on. So, um, they're such yeah. a pain in the ass. Holy crap! <laughs> they're so annoying. I hope you like uh, parry systems and mechanics in games where you have to do a thing when something happens quickly. <laughs> well, that that depends. <laughs> that depends. Yeah. yeah. It's awkward, yeah. but like once you get the hang of it, they're fine. But holy crap, they are annoying. <laughs> yeah, I imagine, especially if they like require you to do a thing that the game in general doesn't require you to do at all. Like for example, I don't know. I'm gonna bring up the the Soul series again. Like the party system there is okay because you can do it throughout most of the game. So so it's not something yep. that the game suddenly orders you to do and you're like fuck why uh, yeah and yeah I, I can imagine it can be pretty bad in the context of the whole game in in case of of doom eternal or yeah for example i also hated hacking in metal gear solid one and two when you had those like i was playing them on the hardest difficulties because like otherwise the stealth didn't really make much sense because it was just too easy to you know run past everyone or, or shoot everyone. European extreme, baby. That's the way to yeah. do it. Where you're seen, you're de- you're done. Yeah, and the problem was that apparently, I, at least I think that's what happened because uh, yeah, it was I played those without you know any uh, access to the internet. Just you know my grandma's home, my old PS2, and and so on. And those yeah. were re- relatively fresh back back when I played them. So uh, the difficulty, I think, also uh, affected those uh, button mashing sequences when you're tortured, uh, either as uh, Solid yeah. Snake in the first one or as Raiden, uh, you're being like suffocated or whatever towards the end of the second one. And it just got so ridiculous, like the whole game, like the difficulty is okay, and then suddenly towards the end they tell you to do this ridiculous amount of, of button mashing. Uh, I actually didn't save Meryl the first time I played oh, Metal Gear Solid because of how difficult <laughs> that part was. Uh, yeah, actually, I think it wasn't until Twin Snakes uh, that uh, okay. I did save her. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, or Meryl. Yeah, although oh, we know that the true romance is between uh, Snake and, and Otakon, so uh, who cares and about Otakon, for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Okay, you keep bringing up the Souls. You're a Souls fan. What yeah. are What's the best Souls and which is the worst one? Oh, crap. 
I mean, I and still... my answer to this is going to piss you off. So I'll get, wait for you first. Yeah. I, I still haven't played uh, Sekiro because fuck Karma. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh-huh. that, that, that's what you get for making games. You don't get to play the games. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but out of the other ones I played, I think it's going to be a match between Demon's Souls and Bloodborne. Uh, okay. For... Those are my favorite ones, followed closely by, I think, Dark Souls 1 and then 3, although 3 is very good. I, I, it's just the other ones are, I think, better after all. And yeah, Dark Souls 2, I mean, I still loved it. I still put like a hundred something hours into it, but yeah, like, I, I didn't love it that much. Although Dark I Souls should... 2 DLC is some of the worst DLC in video games. I actually enjoyed at least some of the DLC more than the base game. I really liked the one that not many people like, the one you go into the snow those. one. Yeah, actually, the snow one I didn't oh. love all that much. Okay, it, okay. Uh, We're fine then. <laughs> yeah, I liked the first one. You got into this kind of temple, you had the dragon at the end and so on. I think that the level design was pretty cool there, much better than in, in the base game. Uh, the second DLC was uh, okay, and the third one, I kind it had some annoying moments, definitely. Like I will the, say, in uh, Dark Souls Two has the best uh, boss fight in Dark Souls Two, the DLC, and that's Fume Knight. Oh so. yeah, the Fume Knight was was good. Yeah, yeah, he was. That's and the I, best fight in that whole game. Yeah, and I fought him naked. Like true soul style, yeah. <laughs> Naked, huge hammer, and that was it. And yeah, actually, lots of people had major problems with him, and I didn't. The, this particular fight was relatively. I mean, it wasn't easy, but it was just right for me. It, it was pretty cool. People yeah, but... had problems with it because it was an actual fight. It wasn't just turned around it and then hit it in the back. Yeah, over and over. Possibly, possibly. Yeah, but I hate it. Yeah. In the the last one, uh, I think those were wolves that turned invisible and some bullshit, and like no, they were like giant deer that had electricity that they shot out of them and were like in a snowstorm. Yeah, like first you had a single one like in your regular like uh, one you couldn't skip uh, fight. Yeah, and uh, it it was kind of annoying, but but okay, but. Fuck, if I recall correctly, you had to, like, traverse kind of the snowstorm blindly. I and walking, it. Yeah, walking into God knows how many how many enemies and yep. getting lost and whatnot. And then you had this... I, I think it's the only fight I I didn't complete in Dark Souls 2. I was like, yeah, like... The two cats, the panthers? Or oh, yeah, those are the cats. Yeah, I think that... Yeah. Yeah, yeah I was like... Fuck those guys. They are optional. Yep. Like, nah, nah. I even killed like the ancient dragon and things like that. Uh, but these these guys, I were like, nah, not worth it. I actually have to go the, back. Uh, the and... run up is not worth it. That fight is yeah. okay. The run up is impossible. I hate. Yeah, it. yeah, and <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it was absolutely horrible. And yeah, and I actually have to go and play Scholar of the First Sin because I played it, you know. Back when it was oh. new and every DLC separately. But yeah. 
I don't know. I mean, some people say it's it's much better. Some people say it's actually worse. I don't know. They changed uh, the location of some things, so it's just like much more difficult right away. Huh. Like they put like trolls and stuff in areas where normal enemies were. It's weird. Uh, hmm. And the end boss is unfortunately not worth it, but. I guess I don't know what I was expecting, so whatever. Yeah, yeah. so what's your favorite Souls game? My favorite's Dark Souls 1, and that's just because of the level design. Like, that is a clunky, kind of shitty-feeling game, but I really love how that world was made. Yeah, it's great. Although, I think, like, the main reason why I don't necessarily love Dark Souls 1 as much is because the latter half kind of has... Like yeah. this thing in quality when it comes to the level design, like the Lost Isaiah and you know those those parts oh are kind of. Oh my god, Lost uh, is garbage. Yeah, <laughs> but everything up to and including Anor Rolando is absolute gold, and then yep. it's kind of a varied quality. But yeah, I I really did enjoy Dark Souls. Like probably if if Demon Souls hadn't blown me away that much when I played it, I played those games almost back to back and. And I absolutely oh. loved it. Uh, especially, yeah, see, you know, the... I played Demon Souls and I loved it uh, before like Dark Souls became a big thing. And then I didn't play Dark Souls one until after I played two. Oh. And I really appreciated Dark Souls one more than two. Yeah, obviously <laughs> it's yeah. I mean, two has has its moments, has its charm, but yeah, in general, it's it's. Uh... I mean. Also. I'm going to piss you off now. I hate Bloodborne. I can't stop really? that game. Uh, Why? It has my favorite theming. I love Eldritch Horror. It's my favorite type of horror in general. Um, I don't really care so much for, like, Victorian England type, like, style that most of the, ga- like, the gothic style or whatever, but that's not a big deal. I hate that they implemented the... um like bloodlust mechanic where you could like get health back by attacking a lot so because of that they made bosses just one shot you to make up for it (laughs) i don't like the boss design mainly except for like ludwig is great that's a great boss fight um maria or whatever lady maria i can't that's a great fight yeah i think that's my favorite fight of, of bloodborne actually I'm trying to think. There's probably one or two other Bloodborne fights that I really enjoyed, but I hate ones like Rom, the spider. Oh, I Jesus, fucking hate yeah. that fight. Yeah. <laughs> it was the one I was stuck the most on the first time I played because I was dumb enough to to invest everything into the... Uh, wait, what was it called? The, the Insight? The, no, uh, I mean the, the weapon, the the threaded cane or whatever was the name, oh. of the one that turned into a chain. It was pretty yeah. cool, you know, when fighting regular mobs and and for some bosses it was okay, but Rome was just you know a, a DPS rush basically. The faster you could yeah. bring his health down, the better off you were. I was like just stuck on him for like almost a full day, and I was like Jesus. And then uh, and I was doing uh, New Game Plus. Uh, to to you know beat the, the optional bosses I, I missed and to play through through the DLC that has uh, come out by then. Uh, yeah, I after that. Yeah, I invested into Ludwig's Holy Late 
<laughs> and yeah. suddenly the game on New Game Plus was much easier than than uh, on regular New Game because uh, my weapon wasn't. I mean, I I I don't want to say shit because uh, the Freddy game has its uses, but it wasn't a good weapon against bosses like Rome. It was extremely shit against them. Yeah, yeah. but see, Bloodborne is the only Souls game I actually platinumed. So oh that's, wow, that's okay. something. Yeah. And yeah, but yeah, that's crazy. Uh, the the Eldritch Horror plays uh, a major part in in my love for for Bloodborne, and it's also one of the main reasons why I uh, love Demon Souls so much because it's yep. not as pronounced there, but it's also a very much a kind of a Lovecraftian horror when you think about it. Oh, the, absolutely. The, all the fact that throne. like the One King is literally a slug or whatever. Like, yeah. There's just so many weird things. <laughs> yeah, and actually, there's evidence pointing to to the like the idea that originally Bloodborne was supposed to be kind of set in the same world as 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 Demon Souls because uh, one of the bosses, uh, Father Gascoigne, I think, uh, yeah. back in the the beta, I think he would say Umbasa sometimes, so that was oh. a direct connection to to Demon Souls. Uh, yeah, and in general, there were some hints that, yeah, it, it could kind of be set in the same universe in some way or, or another. And yeah, it, they both definitely share some themes. So, yeah. so yeah. I will say Bloodborne has the coolest weapon system in like video games, though. I do love the weapons in Bloodborne so much. Yeah. They're, they're the Wick's Holy yeah. Blade is so fucking good. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Yeah, in yeah. general, the the whole whole game is so good, and I also love the soundtrack. I think it has the best. I mean, I liked some. I mean, I like the uh, minimalistic approach of Demon Souls, for example, and how weird that music is. But in general, yeah. when it comes to just you know listening and and the sheer quality, I think Bloodborne has by far the best soundtrack out of all the Souls games. And funny enough, uh, Chris Velasco did like I think two tracks of that soundtrack, yeah. and his He's the composer for Carrion, so yeah, yep. platform connection. <laughs> exactly. Um, I really like Sekiro. I, like, I didn't want to talk too, too much about it because you haven't played it. Uh, I guess my biggest problem with it is that I kind of like the more clunky feeling Dark Souls. Like, I like playing yeah. as a fully armored knight with a giant shield and or like a two-hander weapon. And like, Sekiro is not that. You are very, very fast and stealthy, and it's all about parry t- timing. It's not about just, like, hitting something as hard as you can. Uh, it's not my style in these games, but it's so well made. It's easy to overlook those problems for me. Like, it's still so very good. I can't believe they're remaking Demon's Souls, which means I'm going to have to buy a PlayStation 5 now. That's the yeah. only game. Yeah, same, same. I mean, I was like... Yeah, I mean, I, I basically, as a video game developer, I, I have to be like well versed in, in that stuff. So I'm, I said, yeah, I probably buy it at some point anyway. But once they showed the, the Demon Souls trailer, I was like, yeah, that's a day one buy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Even I though mean, I, when I saw yeah, it yeah. up, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. I, I got all, you know, teary eyes and so on. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, but I'm not necessarily fond of the like uh, art style changes 
especially you know sure. like some character designs i'm not fully sold but yeah we'll see how uh, it... the dragon king or whatever looks so dumb now looks so much worse oh yeah 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 it's yeah, it was so awesome originally yeah. and now it's like kind of yeah i mean maybe it's not horrible but it's nowhere near as cool as as it it used to be so yeah in general like i obviously appreciate the the general you know graphic fidelity and so on but when it comes to the, the art style changes i'm not so sure about them but yeah we'll see i'm going to buy it and play it anyway but we'll see if i'm maybe they can play. fix some of the bosses because demon souls has some of the worst boss fights in like a boring way like maybe they'll be more interesting and maybe i mean i appreciated that almost all of them were sort of a puzzle like some were broken because of that like for example, the, yeah. the the Dragon King, it was uh, I mean, it was hardly a boss fight at all. But yeah, for example, that's we had, the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But for example, we had this uh, I don't remember the name, but the the blind guy uh, you'd have in the you know in the fourth or five fifth, uh, you know I'm around. Think I think of... the the guy before the the storm. Fuck, what was that? Oh, oh uh, my god, yeah, what's his name? The Penetrator? Nah, the Penetrator was in Dark Souls... Oh, wait. No, the one in Dark Souls oh, 2 was something else. Yeah. The Penetrator oh, was um a uh, giant oh, he... knight? Oh yeah, so the giant knight was a tower knight. Oh, that's the, like... Yeah, sorry, I meant, like, yeah, yeah, a yeah. big knight that, uh... Oh yeah, so the, that had pillars in the room that you had yeah to, yeah like, that was be- before yeah he could have been the penetrator he was before uh, the false king around uh, yeah I think that was so, a pretty yeah. cool fight yeah but I was talking about the one in the area where first you have those throwing skeletons uh, who are major dicks. <laughs> and yeah. eventually you go down 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 to to this guy who also has pillars and is this blind guy with i think bandages around his eyes or so on and he can't target you if if you're walking slowly and and don't make much noise uh, mm-hmm. so like the more chaotically you, you move the the louder you are and the faster he fucks your shit up uh, so yeah that was a pretty cool fight like once you figure out that you have to actually be silent it, it Turns out it's not that hard. That was a pretty cool one. Yeah, there yeah, are some... I do remember... I just can't remember the name of it now, too. It's bugging me. <laughs> but that's fine. There, yeah, there's fuck. some fights that just could have been so much cooler. Like, the... um. Do you remember the big demon that was basically just the rotten version 1 point, or 0.1 or whatever? Oh, and yeah. Was, the uh, one... Like, you had the stairs around him and... Yeah. And what yeah, a useless uh, fight. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I chased him just shooting him from the stairs, like, first try. And, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. The, yeah, they, ha- they had some uh, some things that were, like, ca- cool ideas, but not necessarily uh, executed all that well. But I still love the game. Oh, the, I, I had to Google it. Uh, the, the blind guy was old hero. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, the lady Astrea, I think, 
fight with you know the the knight protecting her and it's not oh, being it's even uh, so good what an yeah. amazing uh idea for a fight and like the lore behind that fight Everything yeah about that and, fight and the good. music which isn't action music it's just you know so so somber and 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 yeah it's it's absolutely great one one of the best points of of best moments in demon souls yeah it's absolutely great so yeah i think also being able to do old monk again because they turned down the servers for the oh, original. Yeah. So. yeah, yeah. Old Monk was oh, cool. It'd be so good. Yeah. Hey, actually, there's lots of bosses that are old, like old hero, old monk. <laughs> and <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think despite some some boss fights in Demon Souls being kind of failed attempts at, at doing something cool, I think it's something they kind of lost uh, uh, with yeah. time in you know Dark Souls and so on, that they kind of stopped risking taking risks with with those kind of. It's one of my problems with Dark puzzles. Souls Three. Dark Souls Three is all a knight of some sort with a sword that you yeah, fight, or like a dude kinda. with a sword, and it's so annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, what are the true. standout fights in Three? Do you remember? I'm trying to remember some of the standout ones. The very first time you fight, like. Yomander or Iolander or whatever, the very first boss, a tutorial boss. Like, he was pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, he was a big Udex, Udex Gundir, I think. Something, something yes. like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one. It was cool. And, and it was quite cool when you had to fight him again. It was like, oh, now he's actually a, a challenge. That was that was interesting. Yeah. Uh, I totally. think that the fight, I mean, some people really like, oh, fuck, what's his name? The very last fight of the final DLC, you know, on the desert with with this guy who's super aggressive. Oh, what was it? It's like Midir or something. That one. Oh no, that that was the dragon. Midir was a dragon, I think. Was it? Maybe. Fuck. Too many bosses in those games. (laughs) Oh, oh my God! What was his name? (laughs) Yes, I know the one that's basically um, Artorius. But like super aggressive. Yeah, yeah, and kind of fat. Yeah. I think he was like fat. Yes. Yeah, fat he was like, <laughs> yeah. I actually, oh my God, uh, yeah. I, 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 I admit, I, I chased through the fight. I was just grabbed a crossbow and was rolling backwards oh. and, and shooting him <laughs> for like half an hour. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah. what's his name? Uh, That's really gonna bother me. Eh, uh, Gael, I think. Gale, that's right. Gale, yeah, yeah, Gale. yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was him. Yeah, actually, the fight I really, really enjoyed was in the, I think, first DLC, the Winter One, uh, the final fight where you fought the sister, Sister Freed, I sister think. Sister Freed or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and then the second stage, uh, yeah, her father joined in, and then she got the third stage. It was like, it's for. Felt like an impossible fight at first, but you could, I mean, it had some interesting patterns you could learn and, and actually like dominate her first phase, for example, without, you know, losing any HP and so on. And yeah. you actually had to do it because the, the next phases were kind of a pain in the ass to, to get through that. Yeah. That was <laughs> a, a really cool fight. Yeah. In the base game, like the only one I can think of is the Nameless King that I like. And like, I like the Soul of Cinder fight, but not because I think the fight's amazing, but because of like what that fight represents is amazing. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and the music, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, the fight maybe wasn't that amazing, but in general it was kind of a, a powerful moment. And it was a decent fight. It was pretty When cool. the Gwyn music kicks in as the last form, it's just like, yeah. oh, just, yeah, chills instantly. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, yeah, I, <laughs> I guess yeah. we should probably... Probably, but I mean, we, we can go on for hours like that. <laughs> yeah, oh my god, maybe. just about boss fights alone. Like the end of uh, Metal Gear Solid 4, did you play that game? Yeah, yeah, that's actually what uh, I've had in my mind right now. Like when you mentioned uh, the Gwyn <laughs> music in, in Dark Souls 3, I was like, yeah, it's like Metal Gear Solid 4, but maybe I won't bring that up because then we will never, never, ever... <laughs> Finish. Oh, it's so good though, and each yeah, fighting yeah. style is the different game and fights with that same yeah. boss. and, and so even good. the even the HUD, like uh, it the changed HUD. according yeah. to uh, and the music and everything. I mean, it was very very self indulgent, but it, it was absolutely great. I mean, I, they I, I love impact each other to keep fighting. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's so dumb. Oh my uh, god. Yeah. I, I, I love it. I, I, I love Hideo's uh, awkward ideas and, and that he. I hated Death Stranding though. It hurts. Uh, I hate it. I, I, I loved it. I actually loved it. Like, did uh, you? Yeah. Okay, I have to uh, ask what about it did you love? I'm just curious. I actually liked the, the general core gameplay loop of just walking around with with the packages and delivering oh. them the oh no no i'm I, sorry you misunderstand i love that too i hate that story i hate like that ending oh, yeah. that they put you through i hate everything about that story i love yeah. building roads and traveling across them delivering packages because that was literally my job in real life for a while <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's surprising because for example, in Metal Gear Solid, I, I haven't played uh, five yet because I didn't have the time. Uh, yeah. But at least you know one through four, uh, they had like lots of cool gameplay ideas. But I, I don't think they were ever. Maybe in the first one, it was probably the, the best one gameplay wise, to be honest. Uh, yeah. But they were kind of like lots of ideas that didn't necessarily mesh well all that well together, but uh, I played those games for the story and Death Stranding was the first Hideo Kojima game I played for the gameplay and not really for the story. I mean, I kinda got hooked. I mean, the the beginning hour or so was, was really cool well, when you didn't know shit and it turns yeah. out, oh, so all, all the weird stuff that happens in the trailers is pretty much the first hour and as it didn't make any sense in the trailers, it still doesn't make sense in the game. That's awesome. Yeah, then like seven or I don't know, 60 hours, the story yeah. doesn't really go anywhere. Although I hate I, that ending. <laughs> I hate it. I, I didn't hate it. I mean, I. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get that it's kind of hmm, controversial and so on. I kind of got hooked. I, I don't know why. I mean, I. Okay. Can tell you that it's it's a good story necessarily, but there was something that yeah I got involved in, in sure. it. That I mean it was just maybe just so ridiculous at some point, and you know I'm maybe not going to spoil it because it's still a very fresh game, especially for PC. But uh, you know w- what turns out about you know Mads Mikkelsen and 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 so on. It was like 
so, so dumb in a way, so classic Hideo Kojima dumb, yeah. but I, I kind of loved it because it was just so over, over the top and, you know, kind of bold and the beautiful style of, of <laughs> bullshit. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I enjoyed it and yeah. it, it kind of clicked I mean, with me. I mean, fair enough. For sure. Yeah, but but yeah, I, I wouldn't call it necessarily a, a good story, but one I enjoyed. <laughs> yeah, I just like delivering stuff. Building roads yeah. was like got me addicted for hours. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Did you read all the emails and and shit you eventually unlock like the the like the interviews and stuff like that? Or I did. did. You... So this was a game I actually streamed. I didn't read them on stream. I read them afterwards because I didn't want to uh-huh. read out loud yeah. everything. <laughs> yeah, there's quite but a lot yeah. of you. Yeah, I, I, I did read it, all of that, and I think it's kind of kind of added to the game. I mean, the this lore must be an absolute mess if you don't read those and you only have some yeah. some people name dropping something and you're like eh, what and if you were reading the interviews and so on they were like talking about this stuff for the last 10 or 15 hours and and it's not a what the fuck moment anymore so i get it i i mean at yeah. least you understand the story so you you might hate it and it's okay but you get it and i've seen some people who just couldn't grasp what was going on because they just you know blazed oh, no. through it and I, were like eh, i think what, if you what? read not even like the full emails but like every now and then they sent you like a little catch-up thing not sorry if you read the emails but not all of the documents you would still be fine i think yeah kind of sum yeah, everything I think, up in those yeah but I, I bet some people just skipped over those completely and then yeah. i'm guessing yeah it, it could could be a mess so yeah Especially that you have like no lore exposition whatsoever until you get I don't know uh, up to till Hartman's uh, uh, place and and then he does a huge exposition dump on you and you're like what the fuck yeah it, it must be funny if you don't read anything at all <laughs> oh I have to bring this up have you ever played Payday two specifically no, no I haven't do you know Payday two like what it is yeah I'm in general okay. yeah. yeah. Did you know that game has a story and more importantly an ending? What? No. No. The I didn't. ending is fucking amazing. <laughs> so, um if you want I'll just give you a quick synopsis of what's going on. So, it starts off normally like any like they're trying to they're stealing money or whatever, they're heisters, blah blah blah. Um, then they started introducing little story beats like this heist, uh, one of the original crew was like captured or whatever, so you have to break him out. And they started like revolving heist around some story ideas, but they kept this like weird thing going on in the background, like with the characters that you talk to, because every heist kind of has like a dude that like gives it to you. Like one of them is Vlad, he's like this like Russian sleazeball kind of like gangster guy. Uh, your main guy's name is Bane. He's kind of like the uh, the tech guy that sits at like HQ and like does all the techie stuff behind the scenes while you guys are holding the guns up and whatever. Um, and one of them later on is uh, Giancarlo Esposito, uh, the guy from Breaking Bad, named uh, the Dentist. And the Dentist has some weird shit going on with him, where like you're there's like a secret thing where you're stealing artifacts from people. And it turns out what those artifacts are 
is a thing th- that's like almost like a Indiana Jones moment at the very end. And they pull off the greatest heist of all where they ste- literally steal the United States of America. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's one of the best endings ever. Um, Yeah, that, oh, I just that's just one of the games that like nobody ever expects to have an ending until you hear about it and then you're just like holy shit <laughs> what yeah is going on I, I, I didn't know there was any story or whatever there so oh fuck it's, pr- it's pretty it. like <laughs> it's um not like really that like it's kind of like in the background the whole time until like you go for the thing called the secret and the secret is literally the end of payday 2 down to the point where it says like each character in your crew where they are now it's like this guy is doing this and this guy's doing this and then it literally says the end like <laughs> it ends the game and it's so crazy <laughs> so yeah i just felt like i had to bring that up because not enough people know about that and talking about crazy endings that's one of the craziest ending in video games that like nobody talks about cuz nobody knows it <laughs> like it's weird weird game okay I feel like I've talked enough. Uh, If people want to reach out to you, where can they do it? Where are you? Uh, Well, they can find me on on our Phobia Game Studio Discord and also on on Twitter uh, under the handle Kalosh Tweets. Uh, Yeah, if it's it's spelled K H A L O S H Tweets. Okay. Uh, I'll include yeah. links to them as well. Yeah, yeah. So I cool. guess th- those two places would be okay. Yeah, Discord is probably the one I'm uh, lurking the most on, on. So yeah, our Discord is pretty cool, especially that we have some, you know, in like dedicated, uh, very, very, you know, hardcore Carrion fans who are just spending hours upon hours on, on making new custom levels and so on. So yeah, that's cool. So come come visit our Discord. Alright, sounds good to me. Um yeah, I guess like speak on that, what's next for you guys and carry on? Whatever you can mm. talk about, I guess, if there is anything. Yeah, I mean some yeah, we've just uh, did uh we've just done a pretty major patch fixing like the most obvious issues and bugs and so on. Now we're looking into some sort of of workshop support on Steam. I'm not promising anything in particular, but we're uh yeah, we're uh, considering our options and we're also looking into the PlayStation ports. Yeah, very cool. I'm looking here too. You guys have a pretty decent uh, speedrun thing going on here too. There's people speedrunning your game. Yeah. Have you watched yeah, any of those? Yeah. Uh, especially that some of those speedrunners are also on our Discord, so we're like up to date with with what's going on. And I've even watched one of them stream one of the speedruns, and yeah, that's that's pretty cool. Very cool. I mean. Yeah, I, I like it when people speedrun your game because they find lots of bugs that no uh, QA tester has ever experienced yeah. and, and found because those are like the most hardcore uh, testers there are. So, <laughs> yeah. Every the, every um developer I've talked to ever is like, they love watching speedruns because it's interesting, but at the same time in the back of their head, they're like, what the fuck? How did we let that happen? <laughs> 
Yeah, that's that's true. Like <laughs> some of the skips are like, what the fuck? I mean, it's still not so bad, but I was almost certain that there are no major skips possible, but turns out you can skip half of the game. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> that's great. All right. Well, again, thanks for uh, hanging out. I'm sorry again yeah. about the weird yeah. communication, but no problem. It was no problem. great to chat with you. I loved it. Yeah, I, I think that was the the longest podcast I've ever done. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, no problem. I mean, I, I was also I'm also to blame. Like you know, the bosses <laughs> and and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> let's not go there right. again. So yeah. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. All right, let's end this now. Okay, bye. Yeah.